Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 3 in the Word of God. 1 Peter 3. And chapter number 3 and verses 1 through 6 will be our text of Scripture tonight. We've been taking God's perfect, precious Word and studying on the Christian family and marriage and we'll sprinkle a few more of these message in, messages in on our preaching schedule as God might allow us and direct us. We want to mind the Lord. And last message we preached on husbands, love your wives, Calvary's love, Christ's love in a Christian home. And now we look at wives in chapter number 3 of 1 Peter. If you've got your place in 1 Peter chapter 3, say amen. amen. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair or, and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. After this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abram, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us and your mercy. Quite, quite frankly, we're just thankful to be in your house tonight. It's been good to be here. We thank you for your speak, sweet spirit meeting us here tonight and going before us. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you, Lord, for these faithful men that are preaching in the prison. Lord, I pray you'd use them this week. I pray souls would be saved, Lord, and lives changed and discipleship would even go on. I pray you'd give them open doors. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in man's hearts on the other side, Lord, that they might have an open door to speak the gospel to as many people as possible. And Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight as we open your word. I pray that you would preach to us. I pray your spirit would speak to us. I pray the sword would prick hearts tonight. I pray you'd encourage us when we need encouragement. I pray you'd rebuke us where we need rebuking. And only you can do it. I definitely, as I stand before your precious word, need to get out of the way and let your spirit do the work. Now fill us with your spirit. And I pray that all things would be said according to the word of God and to bring honor and glory to your son, the Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The beauty of a holy wife. The beauty of a holy wife. Wives is the subject in verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Then in verse number 5, he refers to them as the old-timey women. <laughs> That's right. After this manner, in the old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Now, I wouldn't gather tonight. We'll have a great host of amen. Because the wives aren't going to be probably saying amen and the men are going to be scared too and everybody can laugh real good. The beauty of a holy wife. The first word that jumps off the page in God's word is likewise. It's the first one. 
You see that there? Likewise. Well, like what? In what like fashion? Well, let's turn back and find out what the likewise is there for. In verse number 13 of chapter 2, we've got to go back. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. What's the first word that you see there in verse number 13? Say it together. Submit. I thought that was the word they used for wives over there in chapter 3 or being sub subject, right? Okay, they're... That's why they're saying likewise in chapter 3, verse 1. The word of God, verse 18. Servants be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. You know, relationships aren't always going to be what they ought to be. Sometimes you're going to work for a man that's going to be a little forward. He's not always going to be nice and sweet. He's not always going to be good and gentle. But for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the glory of God, be subject. And if you can't be subject, you better go find you a different boss. Because right. you're going to lose your testimony. Yep. Good. Yep. Good. Good. See there? And in a marriage, both sides, it's not always going to be sweet and good and nice and walking through rose gardens. It's going to get tough. There's going to have to be forgiveness. It's going to have to be grace. Gonna have to be love. Yeah. And again, and again, how many times? Over and over again. Yeah. Forgiveness, love, and grace, and mercy, yeah. and pity, yeah. and, and dealing with the one another and understanding them as the weaker vessel husbands. And over and over. It's not always gonna be right, it's not always gonna be easy. Somebody else might sin. And it might not be that they said a dirty word. It might be a big deal. All sin's a big deal, but you know what I'm saying. And there's going to have to be a conscious decision because Christ forgave you, you're going to forgive them. And that's the only way you do it because you look at Calvary and say, well, if Christ forgave me, I'm going to forgive them. Amen? Relationships are always not nice and sweet and hunky-dory. It'll be that way in the church house too. Not always going to be sweet here. If you're around me long enough, you'll have to forgive me. I'm not always nice and sweet and don't always do things perfectly. You'll have to forgive me. And I'll have to forgive you. Is everybody on the same page? Say amen. That's relationships are not always good. Not always, everybody's not always gentle. And the guy that's always good and always gentle and always sweet, he's probably just fake. He's probably buttering you up to kill you. You know, somebody will speak the truth. He's speaking love now like he was talking about. But all, some of the, after a while, it gets to be kind of fake. And I don't like that. I don't want somebody to be real. There you go. Verse 23, we're going to talk about Jesus. Submission now. When, who, when he reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. When he was up on the cross and they treated him wrongfully and treated him bad, he committed himself to God. Meaning by that, he submitted himself to the will of God. 
And that's what we do in all of our relationships. After a while, it's nothing about a wife. It's nothing about a husband. It's nothing about your brother or sister. It's nothing about the pastor. It's nothing about your boss. After a while, it gets to a place, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just be obedient to my heavenly father. And to, even though it hurts, even though it's hard, ultimately, I'm here on this earth to please my Savior until I see him face to face. Relationships are sticky. Relationships are tough. You say, well, there's nothing in the Bible about relationships. You haven't read your Bible. Because they're all starting right here in chapter 2, verse 13, all the way down to chapter number 3, on and on and on and on. I think you could honestly say until verse number 9, or verse number 10 of chapter 3, and then it starts back up in chapter number 4. And then it talks about the relationship of a pastor in chapter number 5. Life is about relationships. First, a relationship to God and a relationship to one another. And in that relationship, there has to be mutual submission to one another. Look, you say, well, that sounds like compromise. Oh, it's not. Look at it in verse 8, chapter 3. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one as another. Love as brethren to be pitiful and be courteous. Mutual, one to another. So... When he says likewise in verse number one, he's referring back to us being submissive unto the laws of the land, verse number 13 of chapter 2, and a servant being submissive unto his master, verse number 18, and as the Lord Jesus Christ being submissive to the heavenly Father when he died on the cross for our sins. In the same fashion, the wives are to be submissive to their own husbands. Now the guy in the text here of Scripture, the husband, Let's talk about him for a little bit. He's not born again. He might not be good and gentle, Brother Curtis, because he's not born again. He needs to be one to God. It talks about that in the passage. So there ain't no telling. There ain't no telling what this man does. But she is still commanded by the Lord to be in subjection to her own husband, that if any obey not a word, they be one without the word by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wife. And that lifestyle is described. I'd like you to notice, first of all, tonight, number one, the attitude of submission. The attitude of submission. Jot that down. Verse number one, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Gives an example of Sarah. Obeying Abraham and calling him Lord. That's subjection unto your own husband. That's the power of a wife. And that's the purpose of a wife. What is this subjection? What is this submission? Is it doormat? Is she nothing? God think of her lesser and who she is? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. She actually has the power in living for God, to win her husband to the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, I could say, almost in this text, more than any other text, this is actually a soul-winning passage. Uses the word won by the conversation of the wife. By that beautiful submission. My mama is nothing but a doormat. I grew up in my mama's home. She's nothing but a doormat. She's a tough woman. She's strong. Boy, I tell you what, she should stand up for herself. 
There's nothing wrong with a man, a woman being strong, having convictions. Some of them old-timey women, well, you bring up the wrong thing, you, 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 they, they stand up for the Lord better than a man would. And some, in some places, the women are standing up for God more than the men will. Being a woman doesn't mean you have to be a doormat and have people walk all over it. You can be strong and filled with the Holy Ghost just like a man. And we need some women to leave their homes and love their children that are full of God, full of the Word of God, study the Word of God, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and have a backbone driven deep down that they're going to have their children to live for God. That's a holy, old-timey woman right there. And she must, but in that, she still has to have the attitude of submission. You may have a positive or negative vibe when you hear that word submit because you've heard enough of the world's garbage and the devil's lies. I remember I was in a hospital room visiting with my dad when I was just a teenage boy. And I, don't, I just remember this so, so clearly. And this woman said to another woman that was in the hospital, I don't know the details of the conversation and how it came about, but I just remember this. She said, I didn't learn we didn't come to fullness of our marriage until I learned what it was to submit to my husband for the Lord's sake. I began to do it for the Lord because it was obedience to him. It was obedience to him. He wasn't what he ought to be. And I could tell you reasons why, but until I did it for the Lord's sake, if something happened in my heart and God began to do something in his heart, and the marriage started to come together because I was the one that was in disobedience as well because I was not submitting to him for the Lord's sake. I hope you have a situation where your husband loves you. He spoils you. I mean, he's faithful to you. I mean, he just brings it on you. I hope you have a great Valentine's Day on Wednesday from your husband. I hope it's wonderful. But there might be a situation where it's not that way. And you just got to do it because of God. You got to do it because Jesus has been awful good to you. He died in your place on Calvary. And so you do it because Jesus has forgiven you. You understand what I'm saying? And you can flip it around the other way, right? The attitude of submission. You might have a bad vibe about that word. But let me tell you something. You go to Ephesians. You go to Colossians, and you find it right here. You're not going to be able to get around what God said to you as a wife. And he said, be in subjection or submit. You're going to have to bypass God's order for the home if you bypass the word submit. The attitude of submission. Now look with me here. She can be won by that submit. He can be won by that submission. And by the conversation of their wives. And then you have here in verse 2, while they behold your, that husband beholds something about you, that husband that might be lost, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. What's that word chaste mean? That word chaste means pure and holy. The husband beholds how pure and how holy you are. Holiness is Godward first. And once it's God were first, it will manifest itself outwardly. Holiness is separation to the Lord, which results in separation from the world. You can have all the things out of your life, but still not be the Lord's. That's just religion. 
chaste and holy. Is she separated to the Lord? She's pure to the Lord. She's holy to the Lord. And that is hell. Let me tell you something for all of us tonight. People behold our lifestyle. Behold. They're looking at it. They're seeing the difference. They're beholding it. And a husband beholds it. Behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now in verse number 3, let's look at this closely. You're going to find here in verses 3 and 4 a negative and a positive. And not only the attitude of submission, wives submit to your own husbands. Be in subjection to your own husband. That's the attitude of submission. But number two, the adornment of serenity. The adornment of serenity. Say adornment, it's in there. An ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. You see that there? You got a negative adornment and a positive adornment. The Bible's super clear. Who's adorning? Verse 3, let it not. Not. Women, we don't want this. This is not what God wants. Let it not be this. That the outward adorning of plating the hair and the wearing of gold or of putting on of the peril, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. There's a negative and a positive. And ladies, you don't want to be in verse 3. You want to be in verse 4. Amen? Say real sweetly, amen? <laughs> negative. The negative adornment is you're focusing on the outward. And by the way, nobody ought to focus on the outward. Everybody ought to focus on the inward. The text brings out jewelry, hairstyle, clothing. Now and then a woman can default to this. A worldly woman will default to this. A carnal woman will default to this. They'll say, well, I can win that husband back to my heart by my looks, by my outward appearance. And God says, no, 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 no. You're going to win them to God like old-time holy women. Like old-time holy woman, women like Sarah who called Abraham Lord. That's how you're going to win them to God. And women sometimes think, well, I can have more of an impact in society. God help you. If I dress a certain way and dress loose and dress low. Let me tell you something. Don't, let any, don't wear anything on your body that will make a husband, uh, somebody beside your husband look your way. Say amen. I feel bad for husbands. That can't have, don't have enough backbone to stand up and say, you're not wearing that outside this house. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want, I, would, I don't know about you, brother buddy, but I wouldn't want somebody looking at my wife that way, amen? So they keep looking at, well, well dress modestly in modest apparel. Amen. And you won't have that problem. Dress appropriately. So we're not focusing, a, a godly, holy woman, a beautiful woman We'll not be focusing on the outside. There's nothing wrong with jewelry, but that ought to be the focus. There's nothing wrong with a good hairstyle. Amen. I think my wife's hair is beautiful. Amen. Amen. And I'll pay money for her to go to get her hair cut. I'm not one of those guys, no, you can't go get your hair cut. You only get it cut five, once every five years. No. If she wants to go to the hair, go get her hair cut, I'm going to give her the money to go get her hair cut. She ain't going to have to fuss with me about it, amen? I want her to be able to do that. She's a woman. I want her to be able to do that. But I almost, you know what? I almost have to force her to go do it. Because she doesn't think that's important. 
It's not, it's not, it's not number. She loves me bringing this up. She's so excited that I'm talking about her tonight. She's just glowing in embarrassment. But it's not important to her. And you that know your preacher's wife know that to be the case. About got a hog tie her to get her to go do something like that. But our adornment not ought to be on the outside, not on the jewelry, not on the hair, not on the makeup, not on all those things, not on the accessories. Why? Because God wants our focus to be on the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. Now, we don't have to go the opposite way and just be absolutely frumpy. And by the way, I think some people, there's some circles where people can get so absolutely frumpy and undone, they think that's spiritual. Hey, being frumpy or being just dolled up, I guess we'll call it, either way. The focus is not on us. The focus should be on the heart and on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to draw attention to ourselves. Positive. You want to live in verse 4. Everybody ought to live in verse 4. But let it be. I've got that underlined. I've got let it not be highlighted in verse 3. And I've got verse 4. Let it be on, highlighted in verse 4. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not a corruptible, even the merit and ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, ladies, the hidden man and the meek and quiet spirit, when you're focusing on your spirit being right, God says, that is very valuable in my sight. It is of great price. When you pay attention to keeping your heart right and your spirit right and not your outward man right, but you, uh, and you, you focus on the inward man, God looks down from heaven and says, that's a beautiful woman. She's precious to me. That's of great price. Don't you want God to look down on you and say, Oh, that's a beautiful young lady. That's a beautiful aged woman right there. She's focusing on the inward and not the outward. But let's look at these words here of what God says is a great price in his sight. Well, what a phrase, really. In the sight of God. We're all naked before him. He sees it all. You know, you can wear six inches or 18 inches of makeup. And you can wear the most flamboyant clothes. And men, we can wear the nicest outfits <laughs> and the sharpest $1,000 suits and button it up right and have it all custom tailored. And we can sing beautifully and preach nice or whatever you want to say. But God sees the inward just as well. As he sees the outward manifestations. He looking upon the heart. He's looking at the hidden man. In the sight of God is of great price. A woman is not to focus on the body to be decorated. But she's supposed to have her emphasis on these things in verse 4. What are they ladies? A meek and quiet spirit. Now meek is not weak. Meek is not weak. Meek is actually strength under God's control. That's temperance. (coughs) Temperance is not self-control. I I thought I heard that all my life. Brother William, let's have a conversation. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you got so, whew, you got fuming? Yeah, uh-huh. And you couldn't control yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is not self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is temperance, which is Christ controlling us. There's situations where God has to control. There's no, how did you say that, Brother Justin? In that situation, had to have be, had to be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, I wouldn't trust the flesh in some moments for one second. And this portion says a woman can have strength. You can be strong in the woman. In the grace of God, woman, you can be bold in the Lord. You don't have to be a doormat. And God doesn't want you to be a doormat. He wants you to be strong. But meekness is strength under God's control. Meekness is strength under God's control. What's the next one? Now, meekness you can describe, right? (laughs) But I don't know if I can describe quiet spirit. Is there a definition for it? It's just quiet. Meekness, you can, you can give a definition. And I don't got a definition for quiet. I think y'all know what quiet is. Dr. Seidler said, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. To listen twice as much as we talk. And that's for all of us, isn't it? Amen, church? A meek and a quiet spirit. And that's where we get an ornament of serenity in the home. An ornament of serenity wherever she goes. She's not a nagging woman like raindrops on that roof, amen. But she has a meek and a quiet spirit. Serenity. I look at serenity, I think of a lake when it's just still and there's no wind. I'll go back there to my pond behind my home and sometimes I'll just go back there and I need some quiet and some peace. Just serenity. That's what you bring to a home is your serenity and your peace. That comes from a meek and a quiet Spirit. But I think the secret comes in your submission to God first, and then you'll be able to submit to what God has given you to do by being submissive to your husband. You don't have that meek and quiet spirit until you live in verse 1 and submit. See, submission hands it all over to God. And I don't know about y'all, but whenever I hand it over to God, there comes a peace over me. There comes a quiet to my soul, like when he stills the sea. Like the glass turns to the glass and it's just still. And when you hand it over to God and let Him have it, this goes for all of us right here. But also, ladies, when you just let Him have it, He might not be. Yeah, okay, all right. But you give it over to God and say, hey, this is more than just a relationship between two people. This is my obedience to you and I'm submitting to you and submitting to Him. And then God brings a peace. The situation might never change, it might never change, but something changes in here. And you've got a meek and a quiet spirit. When you've got a submissive heart to the Lord Jesus, he'll give all of us, ladies, men, and children, he'll give you peace that passeth all understanding. Well, you can't trade that for anything, can you? That comes from being submissive to the will of God and whatever God's given you to do. So God is not wanting you to focus on the outward. He's wanting you to focus on the inward. It's a Godward living. The clincher in this text of Scripture is in verse number 4. You've got something that's incorruptible, not corruptible in verse 4. It's an ornament, an ornament. Okay, let's talk here for a little while. Let's have another conversation 
an ornament. What would a Christmas tree be without ornaments? Ugly. <laughs> Ladies, if you want to be beautiful, God said, submit to your husbands and have a meek and a quiet spirit and you'll be beautiful. You won't be beautiful to the world's girls. You won't be beautiful to the world's ladies. But you'll be beautiful to God. And you'll be beautiful to a godly husband. He'll look down and say, Whew, that's one of my ladies right there. That's one of my ladies right there. She's got that meek and quiet spirit. She's submissive to her husband. Even when it's all not right. Even when he's not all good and gentle. He because he's doing it for me. He loves me so much. And she's focusing on the inward and not the outward. Boy, she's got them ornaments on her. And let me tell you, I thank God that I can look at some ladies down through the years. And boy, they weren't dolled up with all the outward appearances. But they sure were dolled up with God's ornaments. Boy, I tell you, they were holy, old-time women of God. Let me tell you something, you young ladies in here. Classify, classify yourself however you want to. Say amen. Let me tell you something. You ought to want to be an old-timey, holy woman. That ought to be your desire. Filled with God, filled with the Word of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. That's God's beautiful woman. She's adorned. She's beautiful. You say, well, what, 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 what's going to make me pretty? You know, after a while, they do have to see you in public, not off the filter off Instagram and Facebook. And you know what makes you beautiful? It's a meek and quiet spirit. That don't crack. Can I get a witness? It's all right. That don't crack. That will last right there. A meek and quiet spirit. That's a holy woman. What's a holy woman? Verse 5. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, number one, trusted in God. Number two, adorned themselves. What's the adornment? We read about it in verse 4, right? Number three, being in subjection. That's verse 1, unto their own husbands. That's a beautiful woman. In God's eyes. And it's of great price according to God in verse number 4. Not only the attitude of submission and the adornment of serenity. But I find an activity in verse number 6. An activity of service. Five years ago. I decided I was going to quit a job and I was going to start a new activity. I was going to start a different job and I was going to work for a man in the private sector. I did work for a state. I worked for Valdosta State University. I remember my boss told me at Valdosta State University, he told me, he said, you have lost your mind. You are crazy to go work in the private sector. They're going to work you to death. That phone's going to ring all the time. He said, you could stay right here and play solitaire all day and nobody would say a word. And that's a true statement. He said, you've lost your mind to leave and go work in the, in, in, in the real, real, real world. But I did that five years ago. And those who have known me know exactly what I'm talking about. And I went to go work for the man I work for part-time right now, a little bit, here and there. And I, there was a time when I had to provide for my family. I worked for that man 50, 55, 60 hours a week. But you know, when I signed up five years ago, I said, 
I'm going to serve that man. And whatever that man needs done, if it doesn't contradict my convictions, I'll do whatever that man says. And that's going to be my activity. And by the way, look at me. That's how every one of you ought to work for your employees for the glory of God. When you sign up, you work as hard as you can and you be a servant to that master. And God will reward that. And I did the best I could. And if I could say that right now, and Brent Moore could sit right there, and he would stand up and testify, that's what I've done. Because at this point, we're just friends. I don't know why he's even still good to me at this moment. I'll be honest with you. I guess because five years I did that. Whenever the phone rang, I picked it up. Whatever needed to be done, we squashed it, and we got it taken care of. Say, what in the world are you talking about? And I'm talking about something. And this is weird to say, but I'm going to say it. I made up my mind I was going to obey that man. I was going to serve him. I mean, that's kind of in reality what you do when you work a job, right? You are getting paid for it. <laughs> you, are, you are supposed to earn a wage, like earn it, like do something. <laughs> I said, I'm going to obey that man. That was my activity of service. The Bible says in verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well, and are afraid with any amazement. The activity of service of a beautiful woman in the sight of God is obeying your husbands. Obeying your husbands. Listen, I haven't heard of anything in verse 3, or anything in verse 4, or anything in verse 5, about activity until I get to verse 6. And then it's obey. Because God knows and you know as well, if you don't got your heart right, you're not going to obey your husband. Can I get a witness right there? You know good and well, if that heart ain't right and that hidden man ain't right with the Lord first and you don't have that meek and quiet spirit, you ain't going to be going around calling her, calling him Lord. <laughs> because it's wrong this way. It's got to get right this way before it can get right this way. Calling him Lord. We think activity is spirituality. Activity is not spirituality. I tell you what spirituality is. It's obedience to God first. And we have obedience to God first and we're submitted to him first. Then we can get our relationships right. Some people don't have their relationships right with their husbands and wives and their children in their home because they don't have the relationship with God right. You get your relationship with God right, then he can fix everything else. You start obeying him, then he'll mysteriously fix everything else in your home. Both of y'all. Both parties. Both parties. God can fix things that nobody else can fix when you just say, hey, I'm yours, Lord, I submit to you. He'll do it. I've seen him do it. And then you can have the activity of service and obey him. In this scenario with Sarah, even in her weakest point, she still says, Lord, to him. It's almost a default way of talking in her day. She didn't have to work to say it. That's just what she said. In Titus, chapter number 2, if you'll turn over there, you need to see these verses, ladies. In Titus, chapter number 2 and verse 3 are some wonderful verses. Chapter 2, verse 3, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers 
of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, love their husbands, to love their children's children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why all this? Read it with me. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Why to be obedient to your husbands, love your children, be chaste, keepers at home, and discreet and sober. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. I want you to notice that scripture because that's another passage where it says to be obedient to your own husbands. What does the first reference say in the word of God in Genesis 2.18? It is not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a man to be alone. I will make him, God says, I will make him a help meet for him. Ladies, and only, only God knows because he's the one that made you for us. Only God knows how you are a help meet to your man. Only God knows. Women complete a man. She fulfills a man. Each man differently, but each man some way the same. A help meet. Genesis 2.18. Beautiful, a beautiful woman in the sight of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, let's stand together. I want to be a beautiful woman in the sight of God. Ladies, say, I want to be that beautiful wife in the sight of God. Yeah. Pray right where you're at. Say, Lord, make me that beautiful woman in your sight. Things might be difficult. Things might be rough. So I want to be a beautiful woman. And men, let's say, yeah, yeah, that's right. Say, I want to be a beautiful man. I want God to look down and smile upon me as a husband. You know, we can have all the ministry running well. We can do all these things for God. But if it's not right in the home, we've missed the mark. How many times have I told y'all, just because Christians live inside a home does not mean you have a Christian home. Let's have homes that are beautiful. Not in our sights, not in the world's sight, but a home that's beautiful in the sight of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. I pray you'd speak to hearts and lives. And may our church have homes that are beautiful in your sight. May we be husbands that are beautiful in your sight. May we have wives that are lovely in your sight. And may our little children, when you look down on them, may they be precious in your sight. And how they're raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need thy help, O oh God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Maybe you'd like to come to the altar.